If you would turn to, to Revelation chapter 17. We're going to be looking at Revelation 17 and verse 14. And of course, the context of this, this verse is the, the second coming of Christ, the second advent of Christ. Um, but it says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. So what we see there is that there are actually going to be three different groups. Now this is the church that's coming back with Christ when he returns. But there are three different groups. There are the called, there are the chosen, and then there's the faithful. And once you start seeing this, most of you guys probably already know this, you know, and sometimes I feel like I'm preaching to the choir or, or telling y'all something you already know, because you guys are all so, y'all are so far ahead of me. But when I saw this for the first time, it was so cool. But there's this threefold breakdown that shows up over and over in Scripture. We see it in the 12 apostles. See, there were 12 that were called, but there were only three that were chosen to go to the Mount of Transfiguration and to go further in the garden of Gethsemane. But there was only one. There was only one that was, was faithful to go all the way to the foot of the cross. And people that know me probably think that I'm obsessed with this passage. It's, it's a passage I talk about quite often. Again, y'all, when I was first shown it, it was just like, I can distinctly remember Jamie and I, we were really struggling. Um, it was after our first semester in LFBI. <sighs> I think it was uh, Sam, that, or, no, it was Larry that put it, uh, what we were being taught on Saturday didn't match what was coming from the pulpit on Sunday. And we were just in agony over this, and, and we drove to, to Blue Springs and spent a weekend with Bob and Karen, and I remember sitting at, at their kitchen table, and Bob showed us this verse, and it just, it was one of those that for me just kind of grabbed my heart. And, and so I know it, people that know me probably think I'm obsessed with it, but it just, when I saw that, and Bob broke it down, and I said, okay, Lord, that's what... I want to be faithful. That's all I want to do. I just want to be faithful. Um, but here's an idea, y'all, for us to, an area for us to examine ourselves. A way, uh, you know, we, we use the Bible. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11 tells us to examine ourselves. And of course, that's, that's in the context of unconfessed sin. But this is another area that we can examine ourselves through the lens of Scripture and, and see where we fit in. And so what we want to ask ourselves is which group do we fit in when it comes to our work in the mission? Um, and like almost, I started to say almost everything, really everything, everything spiritual, the, the answer really turns on, on where our heart is at. That's what God's interested in. He wants to, you look at the Bible and, and so many times you see fallible men falling down and making mistakes, but then you see God's view of them because God looks on the heart. He looks at their faith, and that's what He cares about. 
But to make this a little bit easier, we can, we can kind of examine our life with a series of questions. You know, the, the physical world um, parallels the, it, it's a, a type, a picture of the spiritual. And so we can take some things from the world and, and learn spiritual truths. God does that throughout the Bible. And this very closely parallels a, a worker's classification in the world. See, worker classification, uh, where do you, which box do you fit into? It can be a very murky area, but in certain situations, it's really critical because it can have significant legal and tax implications. I'm sure you talk to Mike and he can tell you that um, where you fit can be a big deal. The world is concerned with two classes, but if y'all haven't guessed yet, we're going to be looking at three. Attorneys, accountants, the IRS, they, they want to know, are you an independent contractor or are you an employee? Where do you fit? Um, and there's been multiple definitions and multiple tests that have been that have been devised by various legislatures and government agencies and, and courts through case law and, and even private entities. But really, these all kind of basically boil down to, to just a few factors. Um, and we're not, <laughs> I had to check myself. So I am a licensed attorney. I haven't practiced in, man, probably like 10 years. Um, went to law school, absolutely hated practicing law. Um, if I could sell the degree, I'd be happy to do it. I'd give you a, cheap, I'd give you a heck of a discount, but um, I don't think you'd do any good with just the piece of paper. But anyway, um, I, I started in on this, and like I am detailing, just like you would be preparing a brief, and I realized I don't need to go into that level of detail. So for our purposes, we can just kind of generally summarize this. There's, there's a few factors um, here, the degree of control, financial control, and, and how the parties view their relationship. So let's kind of walk through this. Let's, let's go through this analysis with an independent contractor Christian. So Matthew 22 and verse 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. Now all Christians... From newborn babes to, to elders, they're called, but just like all 12 apostles were called, but we shouldn't be content, y'all, with just being the called. When we look at, at independent contractor Christians, we see that even though the, the details are different for each one, they're really, there's two basic things that form the two sides of this independent contractor Christian Cohen, really, and it's, it's basically it boils down to either carnality or legalism. Those are really kind of the two options that make you an independent contractor. And a carnal Christian, well, they may participate in the mission at times, but a carnal Christian, they really, they follow their own agenda. They're serving their flesh. And they allow themselves to be controlled by the flesh instead of by God. I'm going to kind of go out on a limb here for the sake of time, and I'm going to say there's probably not a lot of carnal Christians at MBT. Um, I just don't think they'd be all that comfortable here for very long. Uh, 
you know, I, I've heard your pastors preach. I've been taught by them. And y'all, this is life fellowship. And, and y'all have the pastor of conviction here. Um, I'm not saying that there's not any, but I don't think they get real settled and comfortable. And if you're here today and you're carnal, I, I'm sorry. We're, we're not going to spend time addressing you. We just don't have the time. I'm sure that you'll get plenty of attention and conviction if you stick around here long enough. But, And I don't think MBT is really a legalistic church either. But what I want to do today is address individual believers that are still learning and growing and sorting all of this out. Um, you know, y'all, this is, we just came off a of mission focus and God provided some, some great messages through some mighty men of God. Amen? Amen. Yeah. We were, we were all challenged and convicted, right? And church, you know, it's all about church planning. So there's going to be like 10 or 20 or 30 of y'all moving to Laramie. Is that, amen? <laughs> It's, it's easy to walk away from, from something like Mission Focus or All Church Retreat or Discipleship Conference. It's easy to walk away from those things and, and be resolved to live for God. And some of you probably, you were actually there, got to hear it in person. Man, I wish I was. In 2018, I, uh, when I work, I, I listen to to podcast a lot during the day, all the Living Faith Fellowship ones. So I listened to Life, and um, that was a blessing. I got to hear Mark on there one day, and, and Jason. and um, But I also listened to like, the Postscript and the Theology Roundtable. And sometimes I'll, I'll go back and I'll listen to some of the, the past Living Faith Fellowship events. And in 2018, this was a month and a half or so ago, I was listening, and Mark Trotter preached on the fallacy of living for God. And y'all, if you haven't heard, he actually did a series on that at All Church Retreat. Go back and listen to it if you haven't already. It is, man, it was so good. Um, and that's kind of what started, that was sort of the genesis of this message was listening to that. But, and hopefully as we go through some of this, it'll become, it'll become clear. But just keep in mind that you don't have to have all of these elements to fall into that category of being an independent contractor as we go through these questions. But what we're going to start with is the behavioral control. And as we go through this, y'all had asked that you just kind of carefully and, and prayerfully consider, examine yourselves, see what your answers are to these questions. So first is the degree of control. Is there an authority? Do you, are you controlled? Do you have control? See, an independent contractor Christian, they don't live as if God is fully their authority. An independent contractor, you make a deal, you get these very vague directions, and then beyond that, you choose what you do. And the other thing is that God's Word does not order their lives. It gives them guidance, but, you know, thou shalt not kill, but okay. All that other area, I get to fill in the details. They, they live by their wisdom and the wisdom of the world. And y'all, I've, I've been there and done that for so many years of my life. It was like, okay, well, God's Word tells me what to do to be saved. And it tells me what to do in these certain areas. 
And the rest of it, I put that on the shelf, and then I go to the world to figure out how to do all the daily details of life. That's an independent contractor. The second thing is financial control. Who provides the tools and the equipment? Who gives you the tools to carry out the mission? Where do you get those? Bob Matthews used to tell me years ago that that what God orders, God pays for. And we could use that provision to help discern God's plan. We were, I actually I distinctly remember they were getting ready to send a team to, to Germany, to Stuttgart, Germany, to plant discipleship. And he, he taught us this principle. And, um, and people said, you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay my way. And Bob says, no, wait a minute. Allow God to provide so that you know that you're in His will, you're in His plan. Let Him provide the tools. Um, But an independent contractor, if you were to hire someone to remodel your bathroom, you don't expect to provide them with all the tools that they need. An independent contractor, they provide their own tools. An independent contractor doesn't rely on God to supply the needs of the mission. They have a job to do and they're going to make it happen. That can-do, get-her-done, okay. God says to do it, I'm going to go out and make it happen. And they look to the wisdom of the world and to their ability rather than seeking God's provision in prayer. And a second part of of financial control is, is asking if they can seek other work opportunities. See, an independent contractor, they don't They don't really see one overall mission and that they're continuously participating in different ways. For them, it's a a piecemeal work for God here and there. Okay, I'll I'll do this and then I'm going to go live for myself. I'm going to go play. I'm going to go take a vacation. I'm going to go do all these things and I'll come back and oh yeah, okay, there's another ministry. I'll do that little thing. It doesn't become their life. It doesn't become all-consuming. They're not all in. They may be in one day and out the next because their heart's not in it. It's a work of the flesh. And the last thing is relationship. Do they see themselves as working for God or do they see themselves as allowing God to work through them? There's a huge distinction. Independent contractor Christians, they want to do a work for God rather than allowing God to do a work through them. And in the world, we would also ask if the, the service provided, and I'm sorry, y'all, I know I'm going fast. I, I, <laughs> I'm short on time and long on notes. Um, but in the world, we'd also ask if the service provided is a key activity of the business. And perhaps for our illustration, we could ask, are you in God's mission, God's way, or your mission, your way? And what I mean by that is that God's mission is Christ's kingdom glory. And in the church age, God does that through the local church. If you haven't rightly divided your Bible, and you're working to bring in the physical kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, or or some social program, that's how you're, you're working for God, by doing some social program. Or you're working through some parachurch organization, Y'all, then you might be an independent contractor because you're doing it, you're trying to carry out the job, but you're doing it your way. 
And how we answer the questions and how we review our relationship with God, well, it really has a, a direct correlation with how we view ourselves. See, the, the higher view that we have of ourselves and our ability, we come from Wyoming. And man, part of the reason it's hard ground is because the, the locals, you got these ranchers that they're not that far removed from the pioneers that carved that country out from a wilderness. And they have this can-do, pull-myself-up-by-my-bootstraps attitude. And if that's how you view yourself, well then... The higher view of your, you have of yourself, the more independent we tend to be. We rely on ourselves instead of relying on God. And I want to put in a word of caution here, y'all. It doesn't mean that, that our brothers and sisters that are in this group are wicked. It just means that a lot of times they're just deceived. Or in the South, they'd say, well, well bless their heart. They just don't know no better. <laughs> a lot of times it's spiritual maturity rather than a heart issue. And we see this uh, with, with Abraham, back when he was Abram. And, and God promises the seed, but, but Abram and, and Sarah, they start waiting and waiting, and then, okay, well, God said we were going to do this, so I guess we need to get it done. And they, they get it done, but... It wasn't God's plan and, and Ishmael, and we have the consequences of that still today. Uh, Martha is another example. And poor old Martha, she gets picked on a lot. But in Luke chapter 10, we see Martha working her tail off. And, uh, but she was on her own mission, her own way, her ability. But what we see, though, is that even though Martha had a heart for God, she was an independent contractor. And y'all, that's not what Jesus was seeking. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Martha's focus was on the mission first. She had a job to do, and although she had a relationship with Christ, it came second. Our story doesn't have to end with just being called. I know we're, we're getting short on time, and I've got a few more points to get through. Uh, Matthew twenty two fourteen. For many are called, but few are chosen. There's our second group, the called, the chosen. See, we become an employee when we, place, when we come to a place where our view of ourself and our ability changes. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 6, and such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. We have to come to a place where we realize that our sufficiency is of God, our provision is from God, and our control is by God. When in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 11, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he said, give us this day our daily bread. We have to come to that place where we learn that we need the tools from the mission have to come from God. Being an employee of God, though, you know, it, it sounds pretty good after we looked at the independent contractor, but, but you know, 
y'all, there's, we can go further. We said that Peter, James, and John, they were chosen to go to the Mount of Transfiguration. And being part of that chosen group, man, that seems pretty awesome. You know, getting to see God in the flesh revealed as the Lord, the Lord, the King of Kings. But why stop there? In Proverbs 20, verse 6, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. Employees only go so far, y'all. John, the faithful, he went all the way to the foot of the cross. See, employees, they still have limits. There's still lines that we draw with God when we say, God, we will serve you up to a point. God, I'm willing to, to scrub the toilets. I'm willing to do anything in my local church, but, but God, please don't send me to Africa. Just, just don't ask us to go beyond that, God. God, I'll do anything you ask, but don't ask me to pick up and move to support a church plant. And when their shift's done, an employee, they walk out the door. And sometimes they still get entangled with the world because they've left and they, they got the weekends off and they got free time. Sometimes they, they still moonlight. or Nowadays, I think they call that a side hustle, like when you do a job on the side. That's what employees do. But servants, servants are faithful. Hebrews 3, 5, it says, And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken after. See, a servant comes to a place of complete dependence. An employee looks to their employer to provide the tools for the mission, but a servant knows they have no ability whatsoever to provide for themselves. A servant is all in. And we looked at at Martha and Mary earlier, and Mary, well, Mary, she placed herself at the feet of the Master. And her focus on Him was all-consuming. They've reached the point that they, they aren't holding anything back. I remember in D2 when Kenny was teaching on spiritual growth and at stage five, fathers, and you reach this point where all those lines that you drew, God, please don't send me to Africa, those all get wiped out. You get to a point where you are fully submitted, you are fully surrendered, and you say, God, move me to Boston. God, take me wherever you want to take me. I'm yours. I'm all in. A servant lives out 2 Timothy 2.3. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. You come to a place where not only does your will not matter, but your will's been crucified. And even your identity becomes completely tied to the Master. Like Paul, Timothy, James, Peter, John, and others we see in Scripture. Those mighty men of God, they all identified themselves as servants of Jesus Christ. That was their identity. And faithful servants are hard to find, y'all, because it takes dying to ourself. Jesus Christ is the, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And no matter how you view Him, He is the Master. We're out of time, but I just want to leave you with this. What does your life say about your worker classification? We know what God requires, but how do we view the relationship? And what does your life say? 
Are you called as an independent contractor? Are you chosen as an employee? Or are you faithful as a servant? Let's go ahead and close with a word of prayer. Father, once again, I just I thank you for the privilege and the blessing of gathering here today, Lord. I thank you for so much for all these these folks that are that are faithful in your word, that labor in your word, that just love your word and seek to obey your word, Lord. And um, Father, I thank you for the blessing and encouragement that they've been in my life. And Lord, as we go from here today, Father, I just pray for your blessing upon them and. And Lord, I just pray for uh, for all those that are traveling back today after mission focus. Lord, I just pray for for safe travels for them. And um, Lord, I just pray that as we're coming off of this time of mission focus and this time of encouragement and renewed dedication, Lord, we know that the enemy is going to attack and the enemy is going to try to prevent that. And so, God, I just pray that uh, that you would. Guard and protect against that, Lord. Protect against discouragement. Protect against the attacks. Father, I just pray that you would help us to to grow and to be faithful servants. In Jesus' name, I humbly pray. Amen. Amen.